Hey bosses, before we kick off this episode, I wanna tell you about our sponsor, you. That's right, because without support from Patreon, this podcast would not be possible. For as low as $5 a month, you can join our Patreon and get access to all kinds of exclusive content. As always, you'll get the full quarterly update episodes with video and screenshots of Sam and Johnny's accounts. We have archives of that over three years now. Plus, we give you bonus episodes. You're not going to be able to get them anywhere else. Recently, Johnny posted why you should not buy a villa in Thailand. Sam just got a seven-figure payout. He explains how he's going to spend all that money. And that's just the start. There are hundreds of pieces of content you will not find anywhere else. And like I said, it's just $5 a month. Head over to investlikeaboss.com, click become a Patreon, and you can join now. Oh, I forgot to mention boss meetups. If you guys are anywhere in the world that we are and you're a Patreon, we want to meet you. Head over to investlikeaboss.com, click become a Patreon now, and get signed up. All right, let's kick off this episode of Invest Like a Boss. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. I'm Derek Sparks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, what is up, bosses? Welcome to Invest Like a Boss. I am in the same country as Sam. Actually, we were in the same city yesterday, and then tomorrow I'm going to his but somehow we're not in person. Welcome to the show, buddy. <laughs> we keep recording these episodes and we're like a door away from each other or half of a city away from each other. Yeah, because you were in Phuket yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm, I'm still in Phuket. We just miss each other. But people don't realize how big of an area places like Phuket are. It's massive. It takes on a good day with no traffic to get from the north part of the island near the airport down to where Johnny is in the south is about an hour and a half. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So we would have done this through Zoom anyways in the same room. So actually, this is probably better. Uh, <laughs> but today's episode is actually going to be a follow up to episode 188 which was where we talked about why we relocated to barcelona uh well sam relocated barcelona and why i relocated to kiev and obviously this was now over a year ago and a lot has changed actually that's been two years wow Mm -hmm. that was a this it's two years later i remember i had just gotten the keys to the apartment i bought you were still doing your renovation or at the, kind of the end of it. And mm-hmm. I think neither of us actually had gotten our permanent residencies yet, our green cards yet. But in this episode, we're going to break it all down, talk about what the process was like, how much we ended up spending, and if it was worthwhile or not. Spoiler alert for Ukraine, lots has changed <laughs> six years ago. Yeah. I and mean, we've touched this topic a lot in bits and pieces. Uh, and we think it makes sense to do kind of a post-mortem episode, mainly because things have definitely changed in those in the two year, years since we recorded the last episode. But also the decision from Johnny and I to do this, like if you guys have been longer term listeners, like this was a big move for us, a big investment. It was a massive lifestyle change because Johnny and I were basically full-time nomads at that point. Neither of us really had intention of, of settling down roots. And it was just kind of by coincidence that we both did it at the same time. But needless to say, it was like, it was two really big projects for us with the renovation, the purchase of the property, getting the visas, the renovations, getting assimilated and learning languages, like actually kind of unpack all that. It's probably the biggest, one of the biggest moves that either of us have made since we started the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're not alone in this because during COVID, I think a lot of people in the world, especially in the US, had second thoughts on their current life, where they're living, you know, the size of house they're living in, what even what country they want to live in. And I know for me, during, you know, COVID when everything started shutting down, I didn't want to move back to the US. I just I saw how, you know, Things were going crazy there. I didn't like how uh, things were going to shut down and everything was so divided. And I was like, you know what? I want to just stay in Thailand. But at the time, without having a permanent residency or citizenship, it was really hard to stay here. It was very unknown. Every month, you would have to go down immigration and and see if you could stay longer. And that's when I decided, you know what? I want to have a legal right to stay uh, somewhere. I no longer want to be in this gray zone as a nomad. Ironically, now that we're both back in Thailand and we're both on tourist visas, renting places, you know, on Airbnb and monthly. <laughs> I real I miss this life. I realize how easy 
and free it was and how much cheaper it was as well. <laughs> Quick correction. I'm not here on a tourist visa. I'm on a 20-year visa, so I can stay here indefinitely, basically for 20 years with just a kind of a quick check-in. But I'm on the other side of the fence of you. I've been on the, doing the nomad thing, although I've been doing it quite uh, at an accelerated pace the last couple of months, basically in a new hotel every three or four days. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it, man. <laughs> but I, I do like the flexibility, but I, I don't like moving around that often. Um, you ha- you're much better at kind of just staying in a place for a month and like, no matter what it's like, you just are in a pretty positive mood about it. Me, I'm like, I tend to hop around quite a bit when I when I do get on the move. So I guess it's a good reminder of it's a good reminder though of how much I I really have appreciated the home base that I do have now back in Spain. Well, let, let's talk about that. So can you remember July 2021? So exactly two years ago, was mm-hmm. the place already finished renovating? Like, what, do you remember what date you bought the, the property and when it was you could actually move in? Yeah, it was right. It would have been getting finished right then, and I bought the property just as COVID was breaking out in Spain. In fact, I bought the place in January 2020, which was just when the first cases of COVID were getting to like the Canary Islands in Spain, and it became quite worrisome. But I decided to buy the property anyways. But what happened was instead of staying in Spain and getting the renovation done quickly and just moving to Spain, then I decided to go back to the USA. And it turned out I bought the property kind of at the peak, but I don't think the prices have gone down since. Or if, if they did, they recovered to back where they were. But I definitely didn't buy the pro- the property at um, the ideal time because if I had waited six months when COVID was kind of ravaging Spain, I could have gotten a much, much better deal. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, none of us were able to time that. Yeah. And with me, uh, I bought my property exactly two years ago, I think around April of 2021. And then the war happened a year later and nobody knew that was going to happen or most most people in the world didn't think that would ever happen. But I did the opposite of you. I actually stayed there during the whole renovation thinking mm-hmm. I can be helpful, that I can supervise. Maybe I can even live in the unit while they're they're building it. I was completely wrong. <laughs> it was it's such a dirty job to renovate a place. Uh, and, and to give people everyone context. Both our apartments are old buildings. Mine's over 100 years old. I think yours yours is as well, right, Sam? Exactly 100 years old, yeah. Yeah. And we wanted to keep the original beauty of it, right? The original ceilings and all all that. Like, you know, I sanded down all my original doors, kept, you know, we finished the original floors. And it just takes way longer than you would you would expect it to take. And it's way dirtier. Like the the phases of renovating a place goes from clean to dirty, to clean, to dirty, to clean, to dirty. And every yeah. time you think it's going to be done, it's not. But you're lucky that you sat all that out. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I it wasn't by my choice. I would have loved to have been there, but I'm glad I wasn't because in the end, and I got a little bit lucky that I think my renovation went on time, on budget, and turned out better than expected. But I certainly intended to be there for the renovation. I would have been there every single day, poking my head into things and stressing out about little details. So I'm glad in the end that I wasn't there, but that wasn't by choice. You know, I was literally in the States wishing I could have been there to be part of it, but didn't have that option. Yeah, I think that it's nice to go check it out once in a while to, to take a look and tour it. But then in the day, you know, neither of us really understand the way construction works. So for us, by being yeah. there, we're just going to slow it down. We're going to end up spending more money because we're going to say, oh, I don't like I don't like this. Let's yep. change it. Mm-hmm. How about we add this? So it's good to have a good plan. Get someone you trust. Let them do it. And budget for double the time and double the money is going to cost because that's yeah. what ends up happening nine out of 10 times. Do you remember when you decided you're like, hey, I, I want to buy a place in Kiev. Do you remember how long from that point? point it was until you made your first purchase or let's say how long it was from the day you started searching to the day you made your first purchase for me it was a little bit on the back of my mind for years and i had stayed in multiple Mm -hmm. airbnbs and multiple neighborhoods so i already had a very clear idea of the type of building i wanted the neighborhood i wanted the prices and everything so when i actually started looking at properties it only took two or three like maybe two months for me to 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 actually close on on the deal uh Mm -hmm. it, it was it was very quick but it was only because 
I had lived in so many units and in so many neighborhoods through Airbnb. That's kind of a, a hack. What, what about you? I, I want to say it was probably six months. I remember I hit a kind of a breaking point as sort of this sort of a nomad where I felt like I wanted my life to be in Asia, but my family, most of my friends, a lot of my work was back in the States and I was having to travel back to the States three or four times a year, or at least I felt obligated to. But I just detested that type of long haul travel, which was often from like, let's say a place like Hong Kong or Bangkok, that was often five flights to get back to the the East Coast, mm, which yeah. was, you know, pretty miserable for, for me anyway. Anyways, I, I just don't like that type of, of travel for that long. So I was like, how do I figure out how to make my world a little bit more s- small or more manageable? And for me, that that solution was like, all right, make a, get a base in Europe where I can I can basically make that my my the middle of my world, and then I can bounce back to the U.S. relatively easy, one or two flights, and I can get to Asia relatively easy, one or two flights, mm-hmm. and that um, that ended up becoming Spain. And I think from the point that I realized, like, all right, I'm going to do this. I think it was about six months, and like three of those months were just kind of poking around on uh, some of the property listing places remotely. And then three of the months we're actually spending time in Spain and looking with like a, a much more concentrated effort. That makes sense. I arrived in uh, Ukraine, I think on March 1st, and I started looking like two weeks later because I already had this in my, my mind. I was like, I'm moving there. It's only a hundred grand to do a permanent residency by investment, which is way cheaper mm. than you know uh, other countries like Spain. It was what was it a half a million or, half a million. or you know and Portugal was about that, maybe a little bit less if you if you bought outside of uh, the major cities. And I just wanted to go through the process right away, but it ended up costing me way more than I expected. And I definitely have some things I would have done differently. So first off, I thought. It would just cost me a hundred thousand dollars, and I thought, okay, I'll budget another ten grand, you know, for fees and stuff like that. I ended up spending more than double that, mainly because I bought a house that was bigger and nicer than than I had previously planned because I couldn't find anything good for under a hundred grand. And then the fees for actually doing the not not the actual permanent residency process that was quoted around five thousand dollars, and 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 it was you know, pretty accurate, but there's all these little other fees that you don't think about, you know, that just kind of come, you know, here and there. And I'm normally meticulous at jotting these things down. I mean, I literally wrote monthly income reports for seven years without missing um, a month, but Mm -hmm. through this one year, I just stopped caring. I was like, you know what? It's 300 bucks here, 200 bucks here, 50 bucks here. Like, I just can't be bothered to jot this down anymore. So I ended up just doing like an estimate. And I think I've spent about $7,500 on lawyer fees, notary fees, opening and closing the business, paying like a director, you know, or paying taxes, paying all this random stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you know how much yours was just for like the the fees of getting your, your green card? My golden visa to get the lawyer involved was 3000 I want to say 3,200 in total euros to get them to to manage the entire process. And then there's there's fees alongside of that along the way that I think added up to about another thousand. Like at one point we had to pay off someone in the government 400, 400 euros like backdoor just to get some forms expedited or they're like, oh, it might take another six months. I'm like, I just oh, fucking do it. Um, so there's things like that, like, like travel and transit and stuff, but it, it wasn't in the overall program and, and cost of doing it. Obviously the biggest cost is the half million you have to put into a property. Mm-hmm. So everything else was kind of marginal. The more painful bit was just the time, how slow everything moves in Spain yes. and like getting used to that process was the real headache of the the whole thing. But the fees outside of that 500,000, yeah, pretty marginal. Nothing I nothing I I cared to like detail because it was sm- too small to worry about. Yeah, it sounds like we were kind of on the same boat and it ended up costing us relatively the same i'm sure there's a couple of things that you know the 50 dollars fees you if you didn't you forgot to add in um yeah so i agree that the time was definitely the, the biggest pain in the ass i kind of assumed we would only they would only need me to show up a few times kind of throughout the whole process you know one to like you know maybe go to the open the bank account transfer the money another to purchase the apartment and then and like one more time to to get the the residency card but I probably had to go to lawyers or bank or uh, notary office probably 20 times. Mm-hmm. I had to go, I had to leave the country to activate a some type of special visa 
just to go back into Ukraine to get my temporary residence. And then I had to do the same thing again, leave the country to a, to a outside uh, consulate to activate mm-hmm. another another visa <laughs> just to come back in to be able to pick up the permanent residency. You know, I think a lot of this is just bureaucracy that I feel like is completely unnecessary. It could be done way easier, could be done online, but yeah. that's just the way it is. Man, the worst part about mine was very similar, was that I had to fly back to the US to visit the consulate to file all the paperwork. That sucked because there's no consulate next door. You know, I had to fly down to Miami twice. Oh my God. Um, And one time when I took, I I went, ended up going three times. The first time I ended up applying for the non-lucrative visa for Spain. Mm -hmm. Dude, the paperwork is this thick, Johnny. This thick. Inch and a half thick. Wow. And it, yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of paperwork. Fortunately, I didn't have to put a lot of it together, but you know like the background checks and the apostles and stuff like that. You also have to like a lot of that you have to be local for. And then when I took it into them, I finally got an appointment with them, which is not super easy. And I took it into them. They flipped through it all um, as I'm sitting in the waiting room, they go, "You filled out these 7 pages incorrectly. You have to do it over again." Well, that doing it over again is not like you can't just do that in a day. You know, you have to send it back to the attorney. It's like they have to get another appointment to turn it in. So that's when I decided, like, wow, I've already got six months invested in this non-lucrative process. It's a total pain in the butt. Like, let's just take an easier route. I'll just do the golden visa by buying property. I thought that was going to be easier. It turned out that wasn't easy. So I think like the moral of the story is every attorney that I spoke to was like, this is going to be easy. This is a definite yes, like your background and everything. And if you look at all the different like residency program sites, well, they're all selling something. So keep that in mind. But they all say it's like a 20 day processing period. In my experience, it's like, this is going to take you guys a year. <laughs> like yeah. whatever, whatever you think it's going to take you, expect it's just going to take you a year. Best case, even if everything's perfect, there's just no way that speaking about these governments specifically, they just move slow. Yes. Guys, they move very, very slow. So if you're in a rush to get this done, it's not going to be a pleasant process. Yeah, it's funny. There's there's so many of these, you know, dual citizenship, you know, nomad, um, you know, uh, second passport, like, you know, YouTubers out there now. Or companies out there mm-hmm. that make it sound like it's easy and fun to collect second passports and second uh, residency cards. It is not, guys. It is literally a extremely complicated, annoying process. I would not recommend it to anyone unless you like really plan on living in another country. I would never collect it just to just to have it. You know, even though it sounds cool, I would recommend anyone if you if you can get it by heritage, like if you have a bit of you know whatever mm-hmm. and you know ancestral blood in you, like if you have some Romanian blood, you can get an EU passport, or you have some Spanish blood, you can get it through like your grandfather. Yeah, do that. But all these other ones, like unless you're from some crappy country with a ter- terrible passport, like Russia or something, like I, I don't understand why anyone would do this. It's, it's it's way more complicated and expensive than it needs to be. Like it's easier, literally easier, just to find someone, get married, and then get, get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked to anyone that's done, gone that route yet, but we should get them on the show. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I met a ton of people like who have just gotten married. Did you? Yeah, ton of people specifically for that, like for that reason. I want to talk to someone that's like, I wanted a Brazilian passport, so I flew down yeah. to Brazil, gave somebody ten thousand dollars. We got married two months later. I got citizenship six months later. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, I mean, most of the people I know they, they got married because they actually wanted to marry the person, but getting the the you know the citizenship or the permanent residency was um, definitely part of it. But uh, yeah. we're going to take a quick break and then when we get back, let's actually talk about the difference between what is permanent residency, a green card, citizenship by investment, a golden visa, and which ones that we're actually going to go for. Because I think there's a lot of people who mix mix up the the, the, the different terminology and I think it's a, a very important one. So we'll catch, catch you guys in a minute. Hey, bosses, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. The show will be right back. And we're back. So, Sam, which which of the programs did you actually do for Spain? And why did you choose Spain instead of like Portugal next door or any of the other popular ones? That is a good question, my friend. Uh, start with the second part first. Why did I choose Spain? It became pretty clear to me pretty quick. You know, I did, I did quite a bit of analysis on it, but Spain was always the leading contender. And the reason is that 
if you look at Spain and Portugal, which for me were the kind of the, the top two, mm-hmm. geographically, Barcelona is just an amazing place because it's you have quick access to Europe if you want to drive or take a train, which is fairly important to me. Where if I look at like Lisbon or Portugal, you're kind of out there like on a cliff. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. an awesome place. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to access Europe, everything's basically a flight away, mm-hmm. except for Spain. And then a second big one was language. I wanted to learn a second language of all of European countries. Spain's the most useful language. So that and then coupled with the location of being surrounded by so many things I like, like world-class wine, the Mediterranean, you're on, you're literally like on the med. Mm-hmm. Um, you have world-class skiing an hour and a half to two hours away. And then you have arguably the best climate in the world, but certainly the best climate in Europe. It just, it it ticks so many boxes. And looking back now, two years, having been there for two years, like all that rings true still. And I still think it, it was a great decision. It wasn't the most inexpensive program. It's kind of middle of the group, but you know, for what I was looking to do, it was pretty clear decision that Bain and specifically Barcelona was the spot to be. Okay, that definitely makes sense. Uh, so you have now what's called a golden visa. Can you explain what that mm-hmm. is? Golden visa is a visa that has been introduced by a handful of European countries, and it's through investment. There's different ways that you can access them. Like in Spain, you can get a golden visa through a few things. For instance, you can spend 500000 on a property, or you can have a million euros liquid in a bank account, which people that have plenty of cash, it's not that bad of an option. Um, You can invest in government bonds and you could also invest in like in the business structure, um, infrastructure. Like you could, I think certain amount of money you can put in VC funds or even real estate funds. So there's different ways to do it. And what it does is it gives you access to the country. You're You're not permanent resident, but you can reside there. You can study there. You can even work there. Um, now, every golden visa is different per, for every single country, but in you know most of them are pretty pretty similar, pretty similar. Okay. So for yours, for Spain, how long does it last for? Like, and can you renew it? Like, what was that process? Yeah, technically it lasts forever, but you have to renew it each year. And in order to renew it, however you got into the program, you need to either be in that. For instance, I got into the program through my property investment, which means. This year, where my renewal is coming up, because the first year you get it, you have it for two years, and then you need to renew it every mm-hmm. year. You have to have that property. Ah, so you can't sell it. Wow. Can't sell it. Yeah. Or you could switch to the other one of the other uh, investment criteria. Like I could sell my property, but then put the million, put a million in the bank. Okay. But then that would be a, a different, it would be the same application, but a different criteria within that application, Man, right? Honestly, that sounds like a pain in the butt. It sounds like rules can change. And even though I think I think in your case it was okay that you were planning to keep this property as a home anyways, yeah. not rent it out. But like for someone who you know was thinking, oh, you know, I'll just buy a place, rent it out as a, as a business. Let's say it stops making money or like um, you know their plans change. It's not like they can keep that visa, you know, if if they sell the property. It's it it's, yeah. it's it sounds more, a lot more temporary than I expected. Yeah. Well, well, also, I think this is, for me, the reason to do this and do it when I did it was because rules can change. Yeah. But generally, when the rules change, you're grandfathered in. Yeah, so that's always good. Case, case in point, brother, I got a newsflash for you. You ready for it? Uh-huh. The number one ranked residence by investment program by Henley and Partners okay. for 2023 was, you want to guess? Portugal. Portugal. However... Portugal just announced last week that they're canceling their golden visa program. That's crazy. They're just canceling it. Like they're not even raising the price or anything. They're just canceling it. Yeah. They, well, they toyed with it a couple of years ago where they changed the criteria because all the investment was going into like Lisbon and Porto and it was creating a housing crisis. Yeah. So they made, they changed the rule that it can't be property within Lisbon and, and Porto. Okay. But the, the issues continued and there's so many, there's so many people, compla- locals complaining about it that they're, they're, I guess their PM or whoever's in charge of the country just announced that in 2023, they're going to cancel the program, Wow! which everyone else will be, that's already done it, will be grandfathered in, but there'll be no new, no new applications. And I always thought this was like, this was a risk, right? That some of these programs on paper 
are almost too good. If you have if you have the capital and the desire to do it, it's like a really really appealing way to get access uh, and residency. Yeah. So I was like, man, I should just do this because the other thing to Johnny, your point is like they can change the criteria. Mm-hmm. And what I always thought was going to happen in Spain was that the criteria, like they'll keep the program, but they'll probably move the numbers up. Yeah, that makes if sense. Nothing else, just because of inflation, right? And what have we had in the last like three years? We've had huge inflation. We've had COVID. So people want to leave like where they're at and get a second Mm -hmm. residence. And now we've had war. Mm -hmm. So people like from China and Russia are moving to Spain in record numbers. So my view is like, they'll either follow Portugal and cancel it, or they'll move the criteria way up to like, instead of 500,000, it'd be a million dollars. Well, that's what I thought about Ukraine as well. At 100,000, it was the cheapest one anywhere in Europe. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the cheapest ones probably in the whole world. And even though it's not part of the EU, there was always talk, you know, even before the war of them one day joining. Now it seems a little bit more fast tracked. Who, who knows what's going to actually happen or not? But I always kind of assumed by having permanent residency, which is the equivalent of having a green card, if they ever join the EU, I'll get a free upgrade and that'll be the best mm. deal in the world. When Russia invaded, I thought, oh crap, that was that's going to go out the window. But now that Ukraine seems like they're going to win the war and they're going to get fast tracked to the EU, maybe actually will end up working out. In the, in the future, but it is a huge risk. But when I did, when I invested, you know, w- there was no war talk um, on hand, really. It, it was such a small chance that that, that would happen. That it, it just wasn't really on anyone's mind. And I thought a bigger chance would be Ukraine's economy would just, you know, skyrocket due to the IT sphere kind of booming. And mm-hmm. you know, they were on the right track. And I thought, you know what? It's not going to be a hundred grand next year. It's going to be 250. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe just it's gonna keep going up. So that's why I I jumped in quickly. I thought it was a good deal, but I regret doing it through property. I wish I would have just did the hundred thousand dollars deposited into a bank. Hopefully, earning some interest. But even if it wasn't, I think that would have been a better deal. Yeah, and since you went through kind of the, I remember when the war broke out and like money was somewhat tied up and stuff. It was it was pretty scary having money in a bank, right? Well, I mean, honestly, even then, even though I probably would have lost ten percent. Um, okay, so so this is the way it works: is it it is a it's not a golden visa; it's actually permanent residency by investment. So actually, it's mm-hmm. it's better than a, a golden visa because it first lasts for ten years, and only has to be renewed every ten years. And you don't even need to still own the property after ten years. So as you, as long as you didn't break any major laws or anything, I, th- I think it's it's more like a green card than it is like a US green card than it is like a long visa. The way it works is you have to move a hundred thousand US dollars into the Ukrainian economy somehow, into Ukrainian bank. But then and you have to open a business. And that that business has to pay yourself every month, pay taxes, things like that. But you can do anything you want with that hundred grand. I thought it'd be a good deal to buy property with it because it's a lot of money that's just sitting there. And from what I had was told it's very easy for that property to transfer back into my name after one year uh, when I get my my permanent residency and I can close the business and kind of just wipe my hands clean of it. It turns out it's a lot harder to close the business than I expected and a lot more expensive. Mm. And now during war, they're really backlogged on people trying to close the businesses and take money out of the out of the businesses or out of the country. So yeah. it's just not happening. So I have this this apartment under a company that I legally own, but by legally owning it, I'm paying hundreds of dollars every month in mm. you know, fees and taxes. And it's just a pain in the ass. I can't really just, I can't relax knowing like it's done, even though I have my permanent residency, it's still not a complete process. Got it. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people forget is like, once you have your, your green card or once in my case, the golden visa, there's carrying cost associated with that, right? Like I have to have, even if I'm not in Spain, I have to maintain the property. I have to have medical insurance, which is four or five, six, about 600 euros a year in Spain. Um, you have to do the filing each year, which costs at least a thousand dollars with my attorney to like refile it, right? So there are there are costs associated with these things on an ongoing basis. So it's not really great just to collect it if you're not going to use it. Yeah, I would say we were kind of the the anti, you know, what was it, uh, visa bro 
capitalist, you know, what do we call them? The, the Patrick, whole trend. Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing that a lot of people forget is I thought I think you had really good foresight actually on that. It was a bit of a, a gamble, of course, with hey, if I get this, if I get the Ukraine one and Ukraine joins the EU, I get upgraded to EU citizen or uh residency, right? There's a good chance that'll happen. It'll just might might take some time. Yeah. So I think it, you know, ironically it might still end up happening. So it might end up being the best investment ever, mm. but we'll definitely do an update in a few years uh, if that does <laughs> yeah. happen. But as far as now, do I regret getting it? No. Do I regret buying property? No. I actually really like my apartment and I and I can't wait to go back. But I regret buying the property through a company. I wish I would have just done done that separately. I, I would actually would mm. rather have, have transferred another hundred grand <laughs> into Ukraine and just yeah bought property cash and then had a hundred grand sitting there, you know, earning a little bit of interest. And, you know, yeah. even if I lost a little bit from it, it still would have been less headache. Yeah. It's comparable to how I own my properties in Thailand where like some of them are in a Thai company and the other is just a foreign freehold. And oh man, it's like the Thai company is such a pain in the ass just to hold a couple of properties, you know? Yeah. Like, do, like guys, listen to us. Do not buy property under a company. It sounds cool. It sounds, you know, like it sounds like something, you know, like, oh, yeah, my company owns this or I'm saving on taxes. It's not worth it. Just have it under your name. It's way easier. That would be my my advice. So as far as citizenship, is there a path for, for you in Spain to get citizenship if you wanted to? Yeah. So I, after five years, you can apply for a permanent residency, which I didn't say earlier, but at that point, you don't need to hold the property. So I could hold the property for five years, apply for permanent residency, get it, then get rid of my my property. And after that point, you can also apply for citizenship. One thing I didn't look at close enough was what Spanish citizenship would mean. Mm. I always assumed that I would go for that at some point, but it turns out that Spanish citizenship is the only worse one than American citizenship with regards to global taxation. Oh, no. So America will tax you on your global income, which is unique in the world. Mm -hmm. But Spain will tax you on your global assets. Wow. No, we can't do that. It's even worse. So, I mean, aside from the money you'd have to pay each year, it's just like that you have to like literally just report every asset in the world to them or you're you're like breaking the law. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah. so So that was... That was kind of a disappointment because I realized after I got my golden visa that that's the citizenship there is not going to work out. So then I started to have a bit of regret, like, well, damn, I should have done Portugal because Portugal is actually quite tax friendly. And actually, mm-hmm. Portugal is the top three, has the top three. Uh, I'm not saying this correct. They basically have no crime. Uh-huh. There's almost no crime. It's like, oh, it's one of the, it's the safest three countries in the world, which is insane because Spain has shitloads of crime. So I was thinking, I had a bit of regret after my place got robbed and I realized I'm not going to get Spanish citizenship. But then to get Portuguese citizenship, you have to speak Portuguese, which I oh, have yeah. zero interest in learning, frankly. Mm-hmm. So realistically, I probably wouldn't have gotten Portuguese citizenship either. But at least it would have been a, an option down the line, you know, if you would really have loving it. Yeah. So yeah. for me... Um, after five years, and actually, I, I checked the Spain one. It actually, it takes 10 years to get your... Um, citizenship if you wanted it. But mm-hmm. for uh, Ukraine, ironically, it's not even on the list. Like I'm I'm just looking at one of these golden visa, you know, dot com websites and they list, you know, a bunch of different places. And l- l- we can get into uh which ones are the best shortly, but they don't even list Ukraine as an option. I don't know if it was never on there just because they don't have the the uh, infrastructure and the 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 staff there, but it was or they took it down, you know, after the war, but literally just wasn't even on there. It was complicated getting getting it. And I happened to find the best lawyer in Ukraine. Unfortunately, since the war, she now moved to Switzerland and she works for a company there. So I've lost hmm. my amazing lawyer. <laughs> so uh but we'll see what happens. In five years, I can apply for Ukrainian citizenship. Uh I would have to speak Ukrainian by then, but hopefully I will. But even then, it's one of those things where I'm happy just having a permanent residency. I don't really yeah. need a second passport, but it is a cool option to look into five years from now and look at the pros and cons of it. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, you're talking about like your your story in Ukraine, of, of obviously a lot over the last year, man. I couldn't imagine you, you without this this chapter of your life. Oh, I can't. You know, that would be great. I'd be hanging out here in Thailand, just <laughs> tipping coconuts. I'd have a million dollars in the bank still. It wouldn't be. <laughs> I'd be driving a big fancy motorcycle. Like your life would be easy. Oh man, that's so funny. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, it's been uh, you know, it's been tough, but such an ingrained part of me now. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, no, you're just like, I'd no, probably be. No. 20, I would literally be 20 pounds lighter. Like, you know, I would, I would look, you know, 10 years younger. <laughs> Life would be way the easier. Truth. The truth. Yeah. The truth. Life would be way easier. Like, but things happen for a reason. Uh, I was able to do some good while I was there. Uh, able to make some good friendships, and I, you know, I feel like there's a bright future there. That's why I'm going back. But. You know, I'm not gonna lie. My life would have been way better and easier if I had never went and never, you know, never fell in love with the country, never bought property and got invested there. Never got, never got settled. Yeah. Never had a place that made you sad when you leave. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of which, is your place just sitting empty while you're gone? My place is always sit, sit empty while I'm gone. <laughs> and when you when you first walk back in, I, I'm assuming, you know, there's no like airflow or like ventilation, like. Like, how's it when you go back in? Is it like, is it because when I, I'm house sitting for a friend here in Phuket, he has a million dollar mm-hmm. villa and he was gone for not even not even a month, just like a few weeks before I came to house it. I opened the, the doors. Everything is musty and moldy. And oh, yeah. It's nasty. Nah. Yeah. Thailand as a whole or any place in the tropics, especially Phuket. And we just did a video walkthrough and posted on our Patreon of my a condo in Phuket. I mean, these places just rot, bro rot if they're not taken care of the good thing in barcelona is there's there's a lot of sun but there's almost no humidity mm-hmm. there's low humidity there's very little rain so these places don't really take a lot of damage you know yeah. and then okay. i have a very you know one of the great things great assets uh that i've gained in barcelona is i have a very very reliable cleaning lady who's also kind of become my cook and a bit of my friend and she'll go over when i'm not when i'm there she'll come over like twice a week and when i'm not there she'll go over kind of twice a month and just freshen things up but also like i have plants there so she should take care of the plants and she'll send me a photo of the plants and i'm like ah oh, it's kind of nice you know okay but it is yeah, it's, it's, it's a cost in. but yeah it's a cost but yeah but it's also good you keep her employed like yeah okay that's okay then because yeah my places when they sat when they said empty my, my heart keep one i said after sent empty for a year it was disgusting when i came in um my key one it was not as bad mainly because i vented one of the windows i'm on the third floor so i, I kind of cracked a window open luckily no birds came in um yeah but now what i do is i just have friends who like who need a place to stay and i got my my friend Masha, who's actually the the girl who found this apartment, she used to work as a real estate agent. Now she works online, but she just needed a place to stay for a few weeks. And I said, you know what? My place is empty. Go sit, go live in it. And that way, when I come back, everything will be working and like clean and okay. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That that works out. That was a big concern for my place in Barcelona. It was mostly just like I was after my place got robbed. I was like. I don't want this to happen again. But my solution for that was like, just don't keep any valuables in the house. Yeah. Because after my place got robbed, I didn't know, I thought it was an inside job. And I had the cleaning lady at that point. And I was like, oh man, like, was it her? There's been a handful of people in my place. Like clearly somebody knew what was in there. And I was like, how can I leave this place with any type of confidence? My solution was just don't have anything valuable in there. Like yeah. if someone breaks in now, they can take my TV. I don't care. Actually, I want a new TV anyways. <laughs> and um, they could take my wine. But last time that was like the only thing that seemed like they weren't interested in. So, which makes sense because you can't take, if it's a $500 bottle of wine, you can't take it and do anything with it. No yeah. one's going to buy a $500 bottle of wine from some guy that walks up to it on the, with it yeah, on the yeah. street. Like yeah. it's got zero, it basically has $0 value. It's only the the potential drinking value to some novice because no one's going to spend that type of money from some pan, you know, panhandler that has it. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same I way. Where it came from. Like I, I don't keep cash in the house. I don't have any jewelry. You know, I have like a, you know, a hundred dollars worth of, of watches <laughs> like so yeah you know yeah. If somebody really wants to take it like you know oh well i was even gonna um, i was even gonna put notes in like my drawers just with the just thinking someone probably will break in i was just put like notes in the door be like sorry guys 
I knew you were coming, so I didn't yeah. keep anything here on purpose. Fuck off. Yeah. But you know what? I also have cameras as well, so that, that helps a lot. Yeah. That, that makes it feel a lot better. But yeah, it's, I mean, th- this could be another topic of on the, the downsides of owning physical property in another country. But let's yeah. talk about, you know, let's say someone heard all this and they still want to, you know, get permanent residency or or a golden visa somewhere. What are their options? What are the best options? I'm sure you looked into this. Mm-hmm. What do you What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I have a list that's that's the top ten residence programs by investment by Henley Global. They're kind of a global law firm that, that specializes in immigration. And one thing to think about is, I think when you think of golden visa and residency, a lot of people are thinking immediately like Europe. And the thing with Europe is. If you have residency in one, you still have access to all of Europe all year. Mm. The thing is, is like you're really only supposed to reside in the country you have your residency in. But Mm. in the case that, let's say I came into Spain on my golden visa and I wanted to spend all year in Portugal, they're never going to know. When they would know is if I try to get like into the school system or or something like that. But if I'm just Mm. me and I want to go live in Austria for a year... They're really never going to know. So you have to think about the level of of how you want to actually reside there. But Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, what makes most sense is just get the cheapest one or Mm -hmm. the cheapest, most accessible one, which I think right now is probably Greece or or used to be Bulgaria and Greece were kind of one and two. Mm -hmm. Just get that. And if you want to go live in Spain, great. Like Portugal is canceling their their golden visa program uh-huh. just get spanish one or get greece one if you want to live in portugal and you still you still have access to the eu mm. all year as well yeah it makes sense okay so here's the top 10 here's the top 10 global residence programs by investment from henley and partners number one for 2023 was portugal and this is based on like a one to a hundred ranking score of you know different factors that you guys can imagine but uh-huh. portugal has just been knocked out boys and girls mm-hmm. they're no longer an option and that is you know, that's going to drive increased demand to these other programs, which will inevitably drive up prices over time or get some of these other countries to cancel theirs and follow suit with Portugal. So something to consider. Okay. Uh, number two, Austria, which is a program I don't know oh. much about. I think it's a very expensive program. I want to say it's like $3 million oh. that you have to invest into a business. No, these are not exp- inexpensive programs. These are for very, very <clears throat> successful, wealthy people that yep. have the means. Okay. Number three on the list is Greece. And I think Greece is a great option because it's it's cheap. But also, if you put 250000 into a property in Greece, you can get an amazing property. Like downtown Athens, you can get a really oh, yeah. nice two-bedroom apartment in downtown Athens for two You'll be able to rent it. Um, it's a great launch point to the islands if you want to go spend time in the islands, but you won't get a really nice place in the islands for 250. And this was my backup plan for when I started having problems with Spain. I was like, all right, about to throw in the towel in Spain. I'll just go do it in Greece. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find a property in the islands. And the guys were saying, don't get a property in the islands because even though it sounds awesome, you only have a rental market three months a year. Yeah. And the other the other months of the year, it's hard to find anyone to take care of your property to visit it because like the islands pretty much clear out. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking of so which, they're like get something in Athens. You know, mm-hmm. I would highly advise to every single person if you're not going to be there eleven months of the year, or you're not going to have somebody in there like ninety nine percent of the time. Don't buy a freestanding property. Don't buy a freestanding mm-hmm. house or a villa because. First off, like you don't have like communal grounds where, you know, someone's taking care of like the, you know, the outside or the pool or the the garden, things like that. You like, you'd have to be responsible for hiring that person and managing it. And places just kind of fall apart when there's like nobody living in there. But when you have a condo or an apartment or something, you know, and I think a lot of Americans, especially on the West Coast, like we're outside of New York, don't understand the concept of owning an apartment. They always kind of think of buying a house, but in most of Europe and, and most of the world, people don't live in freestanding houses. They, they live in an apartment that they own that's in a block. Mm-hmm. In a, a block, if you're in a unit in a building that's surrounded by other people, like your place probably won't fall apart unless theirs also falls apart. If it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, so. for example, you know, let's say you live somewhere that that snows in the winter. 
if you don't keep the heat on, your your pipes will burst. But if your mm-hmm. neighbors have their heat on, then your apartment will actually be okay because it's surrounded by kind of residual heat. Same thing in the summer. If your apartment, you know, um, or your your villa doesn't have AC on, it's gonna mildew and rot. But if it's in a condo and you're surrounded by other people running the the AC, your place will probably survive. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. it, it's just a, a better kind of long term solution, I would say. But let's leave it at that. All right. So we'll go we'll continue on the list for number it's actually a tie for number three, but let's just call it number four is Italy. Let me give you quick details on Italy's program. So you can invest two million in Italian government bonds. You can invest a minimum of five hundred thousand into Italian public uh, private companies, or fit two hundred fifty thousand into Italian startups, which means you're going to lose two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so five hundred thousand into a private company, two million into government bonds, or a million into projects of public interest, Italian yeah. culture, education. That that's okay. a basically a million dollar donation. And is that um for citizenship or residency? All these start off as as residency via the golden okay. visa. And then okay. each country differs in how you can convert that into permanent residency and or citizenship. But generally speaking, in all the cases, there is a path to both residency and citizenship. Some of them just take longer are more costly and uh, more complicated. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, just a couple more to round out. Number five, you have Switzerland. Uh, six, the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's pretty much it for the European. Well, then you get to Latvia, Luxembourg, Malta, Spain at 10, uh, Cyprus, Ireland. I think Ireland would be a really good one. Yeah. But that get, that gets pricey. That's like a 2 million investment, so... Yeah, so I guess it depends on how baller you are. And you know what's funny is I think a lot of people will assume that these golden visas or you know uh, residency programs or citizen citizenships are only like you know these Caribbean islands like Saint Kitts, you know, or only like Portugal and Spain. But actually, do you know that every country, like almost every country, has something? Even the U.S. Yeah, the yeah. U.S. It takes eight hundred thousand dollars and and a three year processing time. But we also have American residency, like permanent, like permanent. Uh, we have American residency by investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Australia, Singapore, Ireland, the United Kingdom all have programs. Canada yeah. has a really popular program. So if you have the the means, the time, or both, pretty much everywhere is accessible on a residency and or citizenship basis. Yeah, you know this isn't that bad. Okay, so it's. A million to a non-targeted employment area project or 800,000 to a targeted one. I guess it has to be approved or something. You need to create a preserve 10 permanent full-time jobs. You get a green card and then you can, you can get additional ones for your family after two years. And then after five years, you can get permanent residency, which is your green card. And then you can apply for citizenship actually after five years too. So that's not bad. If you have a million dollars, you can be a citizen of the U.S. after five years. Like that, that's pretty crazy. I, I I hear about all these people doing these crazy crazy lotto systems or trying to you know trying to you know be American. It's not as hard. I mean, I guess it's hard to make a million dollars, but it's not as hmm. hard once you have the million dollars as as I expected. I wish I could sell my U.S. citizenship for a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> And just get one from uh, Dominica or something for hundred grand. Yeah, uh, but honestly, there are there are a lot of horror stories of people thinking it's cool or just doing it for tax purposes, giving up their citizenship oh. or at least American citizenship, and then regretting it. Yeah, I'm sure uh, years later. So I, be yeah, careful. I, I definitely like. I would never give up my U.S. citizenship. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. The only way I would ever do it is if I like if I had like a grandparent or something in the e- EU. Like let's say they're German mm-hmm. or something, and I had a German, you know, passport and citizenship, and I lived there for a while and I spoke German, then maybe I'll do it. Yeah. But aside yeah. from that, like, yeah, there's zero, there's zero chance. I mean, even right now, if it's so awkward, like explaining to people that I am a permanent resident of Ukraine, but I don't yet speak Ukrainian, I hardly speak Russian, like mm-hmm. you know, like I don't have any blood there, like. It's just, you know, I think, <laughs> I, I think if I was actually like living there like full time, it would kind of kick in more, but. It almost feels like I didn't want to invest too much of my time and energy until I actually got it, you know, because I that would have broke my heart if I if I invested too much emotionally yeah. before I got the the residency. 
it, it would have it would have broke my heart. So I'm glad that we both, you know, we both have it. We can both kind of know this is a long term thing. So hopefully, uh, in our next update in a few years, you'll speak fluent Espanol, and I'll speak fluent Ukrainsky Mova. Mm, sounds good, amigo. That's about the extent of my Spanish right now. No, <laughs> actually, I realized after the last month of trying to learn a bit of Thai and Japanese, just how damn much Spanish I know. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like when I go to Spain, I'm like, I know nothing. But then I realized, actually, I knew a lot. It's just really hard to talk Spanish. And it's really not that fun. I think in South America, it'd be a lot of fun. But in Spain, it's not fun. Because for instance, in Thailand, when you try to speak a couple words in Thai, the Thais are so happy to hear you mm-hmm. speak and yeah. try. And they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll be slow with you and they'll explain things. Uh-huh. And in Spain, they don't want to do that. They they just immediately switch to English. Oh. Or or they kind of like, if you're in like a restaurant, they kind of roll their eyes at you. They're like, oh, right. God, oh, here's like another American yes. trying to speak his elementary Spanish, like wasting my time, you know. So it's, it's really not like very pleasant, actually, to try to speak Spanish in Spain. It, it's okay to do in the schools, obviously. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's the hard part about learning languages is getting like, the confidence to go out and just yeah. practice and, and mess up. And I, I feel that, you know? I tell you what, do yourself a favor, go down to Lanzarote or anywhere in the Canary Islands. People will massage your back while you try to speak, like figuratively. Mm. Like they will really, really like be like, tr- like try, try with you. And like, it, it's almost like okay. having a free tutor wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken from experience. Yeah. Still got to get uh, to those Canary Islands. Go, go check it out. It'll be, it'll be fun. Sam, good talking to you. Congrats on both of us getting our golden visas or green cards or what do you want to call it. I look forward to the update in a few years. Hopefully we'll have some good news. As well, Johnny, just for the listeners, do we have any resources that we can share with them? lawyers on your side or anyone that you would recommend if people are looking into the process? Yeah, my lawyer's in Switzerland now and that business is is unstable. So no, unfortunately. Okay. I have uh, the group that I used in the in Spain was called Bossel's uh, group. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Bossel's group. They specialize in Spanish immigration and basically like anything you need coming over, like companies set up. They're actually <laughs> they're actually disputing um with my my power company, my air conditioning unit that's been broke for two years. So I hired them to try to figure that out. They're slow, man. I'll tell you, the lawyers in Spain, every the whole thing in Spain, that's the most frustrating thing about going to Spain. It's like, there's no place in the world that news is as slow as Spain, top to bottom. So, except the language is really fast. It's very confusing. Language is fast. Everything else is slow. I don't get it. Tranquilo, amigo. Tranquilo. <laughs> yeah. I'll come to you. Once you get your your your, your uh, air conditioning working, how about that? That sounds good. All right. Thanks uh, to all the listeners. Thanks sp- uh, especially to all the Patreons supporting the show on a on a monthly basis. We love you. Claro, claro. Uh, gracias, amigos. Y diakuyu. Uh, friends, jurusis, jugias. Nos vemos pronto. Okay. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.